say I'm difficult. They say I'm drunk even when I'm not. Sure, I take dolls. I gotta get some sleep. I gotta get up at five o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle. Mr. Quick, I am a human being. Do you know what that means? It means I set a price on myself, a high, high price. You may be surprised to know it, but I've got quite a lot to give. I've got things I have been saving up my whole life. Things like love and understanding and, and jokes and good times and good cooking. The calla lilies are in bloom again. Such a strange flower. Suitable to any occasion. I like to feel free. You can get lonesome being that free. You can get lonesome being that busy. <laughs> now, who would think to look at us that we got the same problem? Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Such an Old Soul with me, Dominique. On this week's episode number six, I am continuing my month-long celebration of Lauren Bacall because today, in fact, she was born on this day, September 16th, and I thought it would be a lot of fun to talk about her career and a lot of the films that not many people know about that are some of my favorites, and one of them is called Key Largo. It's a pretty famous film noir, actually, but it kind of gets a little hidden because it was the last film she made with her husband Humphrey Bogart and people like to romanticize and talk about the romance of the first two films that they kind of forget to talk about the film that I think is their greatest work which is Key Largo. It was made in 1948. It's a film noir and it was directed by the bombastic, incredible John Huston, and co-written, yes, co-written by one of my also favorite directors, Richard Brooks, who did The Professionals, Looking for Mr. Goodbar, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, Elmer Gantry, In Cold Blood, just some really incredible work that is some of my favorite and he also was a screenwriter and he early in his career co-wrote Key Largo with John Huston. I find that to be such a wonderful pair. In cinema we actually don't have a lot of pairs of teams that work so perfectly together but I find that John Huston who really loved the elements he loved to bring the nature of the environment of a place and usually a literal place that you could go to in the Amazon in the jungle in the desert and combine that with a plot and then really focusing on the character going through that jungle and going through that plot in a very intense way. And he always worked 
in that kind of way, I feel. And I find that Richard Brooks has such had such detail when it came to characters and his characters he really fleshed out and you got to see the little bits of them just going through their day and he really loved I think character study and um, what we would call slice of life films so you combine that with John Huston and it's this perfect match I think of the film The Happy Ending, which Richard Brooks did with his, I believe, soon-to-be ex-wife, Jean Simmons, and she's playing an alcoholic in it, and it's later in her career, and he just brings out all the little bits of her that other, I think, directors wouldn't find so important, and we see her just, you know, going about her evening and the difficulty of her of her um, addiction and it's such a fascinating simplistic portrayal and we see that earlier in his career in Key Largo with the different characters which I will get into so Key Largo the stars of Key Largo it's a big cast and it's something that you would think of as like a play with so many incredible characters in it there's Lauren Bacall there's Humphrey Bogart Edward G. Robinson Claire Travers Lionel Barrymore just a whole array of wonderful actors that are in this grand film directed by these by this giant and co-written by another giant so i hope you'll join me today as i continue to discuss key largo my name is frank mcleod i'm about 12 miles off boot key harbor on my way in over hold your course you're headed straight for key largo Key Largo. coast of Florida, sultry, heat-ridden, cloaked in the strange menace of the sea. But stranger still is the destiny that brings these people to this remote outpost, to be held at bay with a price on their lives, by a man with a price on his head. Nothing will stop me from wiping you all out. What good will that do, boss? Forget it. Her kind's a dime a dozen. I say smack her and let it go at that. Smacking her isn't enough for such an insult. He'd have to kill her. Then he'd have to kill the rest of us because we witnessed it. But to kill us all or nothing. We rid ourselves of your kind once and for all. You ain't coming back. Who's gonna stop me all there? Filth. You filth. I won't let you go without me. You've got to take me. You've got to. Get You've got Smell blood, huh? Got your appetite up. You can make your hopes come true. But you gotta die for it. 
See what I'm aiming? Right at your belly. Go ahead, shoot. Get away, sister. Get away, Nora. That was the trailer for Key Largo. The film revolves around Humphrey Bogart, who is named Frank in the film, and he's a World War II veteran. He's visiting Key Largo, which is a real place, and you can go there today. Uh, My father went there, and he had a really fun time. It's very tropical, and they actually host a Humphrey Bogart film festival there every year. So that's a reason to go there. But the this is where it all started. He's visiting Key Largo and he's there because his war buddy who unfortunately died in World War II, he knew that his widow, his wife and family lived in Key Largo. So he goes there to pay his respects to the family. And while he's there, he realizes that Lauren Bacall, who is the widow, and her father, James Temple, who is played by Lionel Barrymore, that they operate a small hotel right on Key Largo. And they have the dock and the the ships are coming in and... um, he, I don't think, was expecting it to be rocky weather when he was going there. It was a hurricane is coming, and so everything's boarded up. There's not a lot of tourists there at that time, and it, and it really brings the eerie film noir vibe to this film right from the, the bat when he gets there, when Humphrey Bogart gets to their hotel. And... The only people staying in the hotel, turns out, are mobsters. And they're led by Johnny Rocco, who is played by the greatest mobster, <laughs> Edward G. Robinson. And they are the only ones staying in the hotel besides Lauren Bacall and Lionel Barrymore. They soon take over the establishment, the mobsters, and... Conflict quickly is inevitable. And that's really the the plot of the whole film. And they're, they're basically in this hotel or on the dock. Two locations in, in this whole film. So that's why I said it kind of has a play energy to it. Oh, and also, how could I forget? That Claire Trevers is there as well. And she's an aging um, saloon singer who's an alcoholic and she's drunk out of her mind there and she's just trying to get through this whole experience at the hotel. And uh, poor Humphrey Bogart just doesn't know what he got himself into. Lauren Bacall quickly comes in, in a way to his rescue and is there to really calm the waters down with all these incredible strong forces and actors. I I think that she 
I'm sure was aware that they were such big personalities. And you see her portrayal of Nora, the widow, as as a woman who is young. Lauren Bacall was 24 when she made this film, younger than I am. That's wild. And she is holding her own with these masters of, of cinema already in the late 40s. Um, her own husband being already such uh, a force. And she's with all these men and even Claire Trevor's plays a very masculine aggressive strong woman and we see Lauren Bacall having to deal with all the different aggressions and all the different personalities and she she does it with uh, with a real calm center that I I believe if if she were here today talking about this film I think that she would have said that she was very aware that she was playing someone that was dealing with these new characters in her life and she had to be really conscious of what she said and and how she presented herself in order to stay alive because these were criminals and mobsters in in this hotel but she she you know she really holds her own there's a scene where she gets in a bit of a rift with Edward G Robinson and you're rooting for her and and it's a little scary and she she gets right in his face and I won't share too much of what happens because I really want you to see the film. But anyone who's seen it knows that's such an intense film. And she r- really holds her own alongside these gigantic characters. The look of the film is perfect for Lauren Bacall's face. She has such a, I think, a very unique face. And the lighting is so beautiful. I've talked about the lighting online many times of this film, The Cinematography by Carl Freund, who did such beautiful work early in his career in Metropolis and Dracula and actually helped create lighting for television when he did I Love Lucy. He set the tone and and literally the light of what TV lighting could be and would be with I Love Lucy. But we see him early on here in Key Largo and he lights beautiful shadows behind Lauren Bacall and as Humphrey Bogart is walking and they're on the pier and they're on the dock and and the shadow behind them it's exquisite and I was very lucky to archive some photos from Key Largo and to get to see even in these still images you can see the shadow and the 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 light cascading even through the strands of LB's hair is is remarkable and it's and he has such a camera technique that's very light and elegant and with these very harsh characters him creating this very natural seaside light that goes so well with this environment of Key Largo the the water and the and the light and the 
that you only get when you're in those types of areas in the world. He just perfectly shows that. And it's in black and white, which is even more remarkable. He lights Lauren Bacall so beautifully and in every scene I think it just also enhanced her acting I think that her greatest partner in Key Largo is Carl Freund is the cinematographer I think that they are a perfect match and they're just I think a beautiful trio with the lighting and you know the camera work the close-ups some of the greatest close-ups you'll ever see in film but of her character alone when she's walking and when she's in these tight corners in the hotel you feel that she's being closed in on and that you're in a very tight stressed environment I think that he really makes the film feel stressed and anxious and and um aggressive and um he does that with the way that he films films this film. <laughs> and uh, I think that John Huston was very aware of that when he decided to work with him. And I think it's a real product of Warner Brothers. I think that they had the innate eye to pick these different key players and put them all together to create such incredible film noir films and why that they were really considered um, a perfect perfectly executed studio for film noir and the definition of film noir I think came about through Warner Brothers in my opinion Universal made some great film noirs, even MGM, but I, and RKO, but I think of Warner Brothers as just the pinnacle of it, and Key Largo is, is a perfect example of that. I want to play a scene that's one of my favorites, and, and this is Lauren Bacall, after they realize that they have mobsters here, and she's with Humphrey Bogart and Lionel Barrymore, is really hoping, I think he's really hoping that Frank Bogart's character will kind of save them, and he's in a way praying that he will stay at this hotel, at their hotel. So let me let me play that clip. Storm's passing. One shot or two, some trash on the beach. A few hours of a little to remind you of what happened tonight. Will we ever see you again, Frank? Yeah, the storm. It's Will we? I hope so. Why don't you stay right on here with us, Frank? You're most welcome. Go on, tell him, Nora. If he decides to stay here with us, we'd be most happy. Go on, tell Frank. You any folks? No. I'd be proud to have you regard us as your family. Maybe that isn't what Frank wants. Oh, I don't mean to set on you, son. Think it over. Don't give your answer right away. Hey, boss! Hey! Hey, boss! What's the matter? The boat's gone! What? Bring everything down. The uh, soldier stuff, too. 
Oh, a soldier. Give her out of a hand. Coming with us? Yes or no, I'm in a hurry. Let's go to work on her. You win. I thought you'd change your mind the last minute. Well, what's the damage, old man? Well, that ought to take care of it. Want to come along, sister? It's very interesting to me that a lot of people my age in particular think that films of today are very biting and realistic and gritty and that people say whatever they want to say and that the films in the 1940s, for example, didn't do that. But I think that Key Largo is a prime example of that not being the case. And we see that the the writing by John Huston and, and Brooks is very realistic and authentic and, and very emotional at times and gripping what other adjectives can I say <laughs> and uh, very non-Pollyanna Lionel Barrymore I think has some of the best lines in this film talking about kind of the role of the mobster and how they feel about themselves and really getting in depth about about the authenticity of the mobster and and how they feel about themselves and how people perceive them and what they're really doing with their lives and how they're affecting other people's lives and you know all of this dialogue is is very i'd say fresh and new to be talking about even today that i don't think are in a lot of scripts today and i think people mistake using vulgarity or cursing a lot to be telling the truth and being um, speaking authentically in a script or with characters and they're not seeing that that actually was going on in a much deeper way 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago and in this film in 1948 is, as I said, a prime example of that. I want to play this clip of John Barrymore talking, and he's in a wheelchair in this whole film, and he's much older than everyone else in this film, but he, he has a lot to say. steal all your towels that big gun in your hand makes you look grown up you think i'll bet you spend hours posing in front of a mirror holding it trying to look tough shut up you scum Dutch. tell him to stop calling me names now shut up Dutch. now listen i don't want any trouble with you with anybody now, how's about it going to act sensible? Why are they pointing those guns at us? Now, look, Bob, forget the questions. What you don't know won't hurt you. 
We'll be out of here in a couple of hours. Try to put up with us that long, huh? What are we going to eat tonight, sister? Pompano, maybe? Am I to understand we're your prisoners? Well, put it this way, Pop. You're going to be my guest for a little while. You know, uh, back in Shine, the old days, we used to pay $10 for an order of Pompano. We used to fly it in, the way they served it. Done up in a brown paper bag. Got any champagne, miss? No champagne. Oh, that's too bad. Champagne of Pompano. <laughs> they really go together. Edward G. in this film is so much like a crustacean without its, sh- its, its shell. He is just ready to bite and ready to snap at, at everybody, and he does until the very end of the film. And so does Claire Trevers, who is a very sympathetic character, I think, and, and she also is a key player in this film, even though she's not a mobster. She's fully involved in the disorder and array and, and, and uh, difficulties that are brought to Lauren Bacall and, and her father because she is all over the place and you really don't know what she's going to say, you don't know what she's going to do and so she brings a lot of tension and um, and in a way whimsicalness because she has a very kind of dramatic personality because she's drinking a lot and and you, you as I said you don't know what she's going to do or say and so she brings a lot to this film and, and it wouldn't be the same without her and I think audiences really saw the the depth of her small role because they gave her the best supporting actress Oscar in 1949 for Key Largo which I think she absolutely deserved. The ladies who've been nominated for the best performance by an actress in a supporting role are Barbara Bel Geddes in I Remember Mama, RKO Radio, Helen Corby also in I Remember Mama, RKO Radio, Agnes Moorhead in Johnny Belinda, Warner Brothers, Jean Simmons in Hamlet, J. Arthur Rank, Two Cities Film, Universal International, British, Claire Trevor in Key Largo, Warner Brothers. And the winner, ladies and gentlemen, the winner is Claire Trevor. I'm really glad that she was recognized. I wish that Lauren Bacall had been. I think the Academy still to this day, if you give a very quiet performance, they mistake that as not 
giving a performance at all, I think. But she, first of all, holds her own with all of these actors and gives a very unique performance because she does so much with her face, her eyes, what she doesn't say. And she makes you cry. She makes you, you want to clap for her in this movie and does so much and and I can't articulate it enough because you have to see it but just her her eye contact with Humphrey Bogart I believe is enough for an Oscar she does so many subtle things that shows her worry and anxiety as the widow in this film and, and her strength and grace. So I'm very sad that she wasn't awarded an Oscar for this because I actually really believe she, sh she should have um, at least been given a supporting Oscar. But that's the way life is and I'm just very glad that I'm able to celebrate this film, Lauren Bacall, in this film, and I hope if you have not seen it, you will rent it, get it from your library, buy the DVD, find it online, and um, there's a lot of ways to watch it. It's very accessible, and if you do, please count how many times Lionel Barrymore says maybe, because it's a lot of times, and it's very funny, and that's just one of my favorite kind of amusing aspects of this film is, is some of the little things that people say again and again. Edward G says certain lines a lot and it's just always people who love this movie always tell me that as well. So I hope that you'll, you'll remember to do that and let me know how many times he says maybe. <laughs> and then when somebody says maybe in your life, it'll never be the same. You'll always think of Lionel Barrymore. So I want to end this episode with Lauren Bacall talking about Key Largo. I think that's the perfect way to end because really she sets the tone so much for this film and will set the tone for the end of this podcast. Please join me next week as I'll be talking about The Mirror Has Two Faces with Lauren Bacall and my favorite interview that she did with Charlie Rose in 1994 that has been very instrumental in my life because I learned so much from it. So I hope to see you then and I wish you all a beautiful, calm, happy week ahead. Bye. Be so many people's favorite movie. In, my, I, in the fan mail that I get, and for some unknown reason, I get quite a bit still. They love Key Largo. Uh, it's had a song written about it. I mean, you can't ask for more than that. I know. I know. It was riveting because, you know, of course, it was a great, great cast. Marvelous actors. And we had three weeks of rehearsal. I don't think a movie had never been rehearsed before then because we were only, it was only one set. Right. The set never changed except the one short time that Bogey and I had a scene by the water, which was in the tank at Warner Brothers. So, I mean, it was... And, and this was a rarity for John Huston as a director because usually he's taking people off to parts unknown that are impossible to get to. And of course, this is this was studio. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it was a, a, a it was most marvelous experience. 
because Lionel Barrymore, of course, who I adored, was in great pain all through it in a wheelchair. His legs were filled with arthritis, and he never complained. And he was an amazing man, you know. He composed music, and he was an inventor, and he always thought that nobody wanted to talk to him, and he was the most dazzling, adorable. I was just crazy about him. Wonderful man. And Eddie Robinson, who was a great character and very funny fellow, and Claire Trevor, who was a great friend, we all had a marvelous time together. It seems like Hollywood nirvana in a way, and I think that's what comes across in the film and why it's a lot of people's But not film. even Hollywood, it was Warner Brothers, you see. Yeah. Warner, Brothers, Warner Brothers did stand up for very first-class movies and casts and even though Jack Warner didn't understand it. He had no idea what Treasure of the Sierra Madre was about. He just thought it was a quickie and that we should get rid of it in a hurry. I mean, he... So, in spite of all of that, they turned out the best movies.